This message was recorded on the campus of Watchta Hills College. For more information, visit our website, www.ohc.org. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the privilege that we have to call you our Father and our God. And today, we pray that as we open your holy word, that you would speak to us. We pray that the Holy Spirit would inspire, would instruct, would enlighten our minds, and speak to our hearts, for we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Our study today is taken from Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee, named Lazarus, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you, blessed are you among women. It's interesting because the angel Gabriel comes up another time in Scripture in Daniel chapter 9, the 70-week prophecy about Jesus as the Messiah. And here, the same angel comes to Mary, uh, indicating that Messiah was to be born. And we're told in another account that the angel Gabriel was the one that stood in the very presence of God. So this is the covering cherub that has come here to Mary. We'll pick it up here in verse 29. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? Obvious question. Here the angel Gabriel comes and says she's going to be with child, and that this child is going to be none other than the Son of God. Just from a social standpoint of view, uh, you can only imagine what Mary went through Uh, just from the aspect of her relationships. Uh, Number one, Joseph, to have to go to him and indicate that she was pregnant and she had been faithful, (laughs) but she was pregnant with God. Uh, I I don't even know how that conversation took place. Uh, The faith of Joseph, the faith of Mary, and, and, and the stigma surrounding Jesus's birth went on for years, and it's alluded to when the Pharisees and religious leaders were questioning him, they would ask about the legitimacy of his birth. The the stigma of being an illegitimate child stayed with Jesus his entire life because it was a peculiar situation uh, related to, to his birth. Mary, prior to being married to Joseph, uh, became pregnant. So she asked this question, how can, how can I become pregnant when, when I'm a virgin? And in verse 35, the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, 
and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived in her own age, and this is the sixth month for her who is called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. The angel Gabriel gives corroborating evidence. Her cousin, Elizabeth, way past the years of childbearing, she's in menopause, and, and this was a, a miracle a conception. So, so the angel Gabriel gives some evidence on which she can base her faith because uh, there's another miracle birth that has already taken place, and Elizabeth at this time is already six months pregnant. And the angel says, look, look, uh, this, this miracle has already, already happened here. And then verse 37, the angel Gabriel says, For with God, nothing will be impossible. In other words, the issue is not with God's capability. Then in verse 38, Then, the, then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. After this, in verse 37, Mary goes immediately to Judah to see Elizabeth. And there's this interesting encounter that takes place because as soon as Mary goes into Elizabeth's house, Elizabeth looks at Mary and says, you're pregnant and you're pregnant with God. So, so after this conversation, Mary becomes pregnant and and walks right into Elizabeth's home and and there's verification that this miracle has already taken place. Now, if you with your sanctified imagination can just imagine the the dynamics of what's taking place from heaven's perspective, Jesus is essentially on standby. And how do you even do the physics of how the eternal God of the universe, which the Bible says the heavens cannot contain the glory of God, the, the ineffable, eternal God of the universe becoming uh, in embryonic form or even before embryonic form. I mean, how, how do you even fathom that? And in, in the womb of, of Mary, um, we're told that the story of Bethlehem, the incarnation according to the book Desire of Ages, is an exhaustless theme. In, in other words, it's, it's something that throughout the ceaseless ages of eternity that we'll be meditating on. How, how does this happen? So, so Jesus is on standby in heaven, watching Mary have this conversation with Gabriel. And Gabriel comes and says, look, the issue isn't with God. Uh, for with God, all things are possible, and I would argue that it, the incarnation shows that anything is possible. I mean, God becoming, becoming, you know, in embryonic form in, in Mary. I mean, this is a miracle of miracles, God in the flesh. And in verse 30, 38, you have the key to what took place in this story. Verse 38, then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of of the Lord, and here's the most important words you can say in your relationship with God. Let it be to me 
according to your word. Let it be. Let it be. Three words. I would argue, and and I think the context supports this idea, that once Mary said, "Let it be," that the miracle of the incarnation of Jesus took place, because "let it be" is Mary's consent. It's her authorization. It's her giving permission for the. Power of God to to do this this impossible miracle in her life, and the the incarnation. So so basically, Jesus is on standby in heaven, and and once the words "Let it be" came from the mouth of Mary, Jesus was incarnated, and the greatest miracle in human history took place. I mean. I mean, whoa, how how do you even process this? I mean, the 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 power of God is is waiting for our permission. I mean, that's the implications of what's taking place here. And, and notice what Mary says: "Let it be to me according to your word, God's word." A reflection on God's word and God's power. This verse indicates. That God's power has been packaged in a way, in a format, that is latent power. When you look at the definition of latent, latent means that the potential is there, but it's not been realized or actualized. So, so, so God, in relationship to human beings, has not packaged His power. In a format like a bomb or a nuclear hydrogen bomb that just goes off, and irrespective of human choice or volition or free will, it's just gonna, it's just gonna decimate the landscape. Quite the contrary, the way that God has packaged His power in relationship to humanity is latent power. In other words, the the power, the omnipotent power of God that can do anything, such as taking the the glorious nature of God and 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 putting it into human flesh. I mean that that's that's the greatest miracle. That 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 potential is is there, staying in a in a dormant format, waiting for our consent and for the conditions of that power. To be unleashed and to be realized, the Bible says that the word of God is like a seed. Think about the implications of that. You can take a seed and put it on the shelf, and it can lie in dormant state for thousands of years. Matter of fact, they found a seed or some seeds in an archaeological dig on Masada in the Middle East. And scientists were curious. They took these seeds, and they were two thousand years old, dating close to the time of Christ. And and they took these seeds, and then put them into the soil, planted them,、uh, watered them, and much to the shock of the scientists, these seeds sprouted, and、uh, it's it's a palm bush today. 
uh, you can find it there in Israel. Remarkable. Now, now, did the scientists create life? No. Was that life? Was that was that power uh, 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 of that seed? That that creative. I don't know what you call it, the, the life of that seed, always in that seed for 2,000 years. Absolutely. God put it there. And it was lying there in dormant state, waiting for someone to release its potential. The Bible says that the Word of God is like a seed. In other words, the way that God has packaged His power is in His Word. That, that's where his power is. Remember what Mary said, let it be to me according to your word. So his word already has power within it, much like a seed. And that, that power is, is lying there in dormant form, in latent form. In other words, th- there are conditions that, that are required for, for that power to be released to us individually. And and I think think about that. Every command, every promise, I, I should say every command is actually a promise. And, and and every promise of scripture is is lying there in latent form. It's it's there, but but the but but the potential has not been realized. So you can go to any promise in the Word of God, in the Bible. And say, Lord, let it be, like Mary, let it be to me according to your word. I surrender. I surrender. And by faith, that, that, that power in the word of God is, is realized. And, and we believe it by faith, regardless of the way that we may or may not feel. The angel Gabriel comes to Mary and, 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 and basically states that the word of God is powerful. There's nothing too hard for God. Everything is possible. There's nothing that is impossible. And, and by, by, you know, the, Mary knows the implications of what's taking place here. The angel is coming for her consent. And, and Mary says, let it be. And after this, the angel Gabriel leaves. She becomes pregnant. With, with, as those words roll off her tongue, the greatest miracle in history has just happened. Jesus has been incarnated. The God of the universe has become one of us. I used to sell books, door-to-door canvassing, and there are certain rules, guidelines that every canvasser should follow. Uh, there's a certain etiquette when you knock on someone's door, and uh, when when you're canvassing, you you knock on thousands, hundreds of thousands of doors, depending on how long you've been been doing this. And uh, I remember my my knuckles would get would get raw and after a while they, there would be a callus on my knuckles because I, I had knocked on so many doors. Well anyways, you, you knock on the door, the person opens the door, and then you have a conversation and you tell them about the books and so forth. There's a, there's this line that you 
as a canvasser never cross, and that's the threshold of the home. You you never cross it, and people were very nice to me. Uh, not everyone, but there were select few that that bought my books, that even gave me food, uh, gave me water, gave me uh, other things to drink, uh, orange juice to to help me on my journey. Um, some people would give me uh, quite a bit of money at the door. They would say kind things about me. But I would never cross that threshold until I heard those beautiful words, come on in. That, that was the invitation. And, and especially in the wintertime, the, those words were, were like music to my ears. When they said, come on in, then and only then, would I cross that line into the home of that individual? In other words, there needs to be consent. There needs to be invitation for for a person to come in. Now, in the South, um, people would be very friendly, uh, unusually so, and I would knock on a door and I'd hear a person in the back room that would say, come on in, and I would say, you don't know me. And they would say, come on in anyways. And so I would come in and they'd be like, oh, I, I thought you were someone else. Anyways, so, but, but the point is that, that we know that there's certain rules when it comes to our house. People do not just come in to our home without the invitation. And people will stand there. The, the inner sanctum of one, one's home is, is, is like this, this space that that requires consent, so much so that if you enter a home without someone's consent, it is called breaking and entering. You've, you've just crossed like this sacred uh, threshold in terms of violating someone's free will and freedom of choice. It's interesting because in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, the Bible says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. In other words, Jesus is waiting for our consent. Just like he was waiting for Mary's over 2,000 years ago for the greatest miracle to take place within her, Jesus stands at the door of our own hearts, waiting with the eternal, omnipotent power of God that can do anything in your life. That habit, that addiction, that struggle that you may be having, God's power can give you victory over that addiction and that habit. He's waiting at the threshold, desiring, yearning, but he will never cross that threshold and violate your free will. And my prayer for you is that you will say the words, let it be. Like Mary said over 2,000 years ago, you can say it today and say, Lord, let it be to me according to your word. I invite you in. I invite you into my heart today, and you make that decision each and every day to invite the Lord Jesus in. The Holy Spirit brings with him the presence of Jesus, and we need to ask for the Holy Spirit each and every day. Every day, Jesus is standing at the door of our hearts, waiting for those beautiful words, let it be. Consent. Permission. Authorization. I want to read one of my favorite statements from the book, Steps to Christ. I want to encourage you to read this book if you have not already. And if you've read it once, it's good to reread it 
over and over again, because sometimes these principles lose their force if we're not familiarizing ourselves with it. This is from Steps of Christ, page 47. Many are inquiring, how am I to make the surrender of myself to God? You desire to give yourself to Him, but you are weak in moral power, in slavery to doubt, and controlled by the habits of your life of sin. Your promises and resolutions are like ropes of sand. You cannot control your thoughts, your impulses, your affections. What you need to understand is the true force of the will. This is the governing power in the nature of man, the power of decision or of choice. Everything depends on the right action of the will. The power of choice God has given to men. It is theirs to exercise. You cannot change your heart. You cannot of yourself give to God its affections. But you can choose to serve Him. You can give Him your will. Thus your whole nature will be brought under this control of the Spirit of Christ. Christ's Object Lessons, page 159. Then the language of the soul will be, Lord, take my heart, for I cannot give it. It is thy property. Keep it pure, for I cannot keep it for thee. Save me in spite of myself, my weak, unchristlike self. Mold me, fashion me, raise me into a pure and holy atmosphere where the rich current of thy love can flow through my soul. She says in another place that we can say, Lord, I'm willing to be made willing. In other words, you can go to God with your addictions, with your habits, and say, Lord, I love this thing. Help me to hate it. Give me the desire to desire. I, 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 I need help, Lord. And you can go to God with, with your issues and say, Lord, save me from myself. And God will work in you, both to will and to do, of his good pleasure. Acts the Apostles, or rather, God's Amazing Grace, page 238. For pardon of sin, for the Holy Spirit, for a Christ-like temper, for wisdom and strength to do his work, for any gift he has promised, we may ask, and the promise is, ye shall receive. Did you get that? In other words, there are certain prayers that are always yes prayers. The first yes prayer she mentions, for pardon of sin. In other words, for forgiveness. When you ask for a new car, new house, new job, the answer is not always yes. But these are yes prayers. When you pray for forgiveness, the answer is always yes. Amen. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess, he's faithful to forgive. You can claim that, and you believe it by faith, regardless of how you may or may not feel. For the Holy Spirit, we're told that the Holy Spirit brings all other blessings in its train. It's the greatest gift that Christ longs to bestow upon his people. The Holy Spirit is always a yes prayer. When you ask for the Holy Spirit for divine power to work in your life today, the answer is yes. For a Christ-like temper, to be like Jesus, to have the love of Jesus, the long-suffering of Jesus, you can pray and say, Lord, make me more like Jesus. The answer is always yes. I love this last part, for wisdom and strength to do his work. I tell you, in ministry, there's so many times when, when I'm like, Lord, I'm in, in 
capable of doing this. And I'm so glad that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And so you can go to God and say, Lord, I need wisdom. I need strength to do your work. She says the answer is always yes. And then she ends by saying, for any gift he has promised, we may ask, and the promise is, you shall receive. Friends, this is latent power. Every promise that you see in Scripture, like forgiveness, the Holy Spirit, Christ-like temper for wisdom and strength to do His work, spiritual blessings, and I feel like sometimes we ask for physical blessings, and I'm not saying we shouldn't do that, but it seems like the proportion of our prayer requests are for the physical rather than the spiritual When God longs to bestow his spiritual blessings as well as physical blessings, and I would argue from an eternal standpoint, the spiritual blessings are the most important. The book Education, page 126. The creative energy that called worlds into existence is in the word of God. This word imparts power. It begets life. Every command is a promise accepted by the will, received into the soul, brings with it the life of the infinite one. It transforms the nature and recreates the soul in the image of God. Not long ago, I read a book, or I should say an article, uh, by Craig Canale. And the title of this article fascinated me. And the title is, How Reading the Bible in 100 Days Changed My Life. Here's a person that was not a church-going individual, and he was going through transition from one job to another job, and he was facing this emptiness, and he tells the story of how he made the decision to, to start reading the Bible on his commute to his work on the subway. And he tells the experience of how he was reading the Bible, and he became so moved by what he was reading. This is a non-church-going, you know, non-baptized person that decided to read the Bible, and and he says how 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 the words of Scripture impacted his life so much that he felt like kneeling in the subway as he was reading. He talks about the joy and the peace that came into his life, and he ends the article by saying that you should read. The Bible, too, because it has the potential, latent power, to change your life. I could not believe I was reading this article on a secular uh, news website. How reading the Bible in a hundred days changed my life. There are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people in history that have a similar testimony of reading scripture and their lives being transformed. You never hear people saying that they studied physics, mathematics, uh, any other subject, and that it had a dramatic transforming effect on their lives of making them a person more like Jesus, a more Christ-like, loving, and lovable Christian. But there are myriads of testimonies of people that have read the Bible and realized the latent power and said the prayer like Mary, saying, Let it be to me according to your word. And their lives were transformed. That's my prayer for you today. As we enter this Christmas season and reflect on the incarnation of Christ, let us be like Mary and say the words to 
the power to to I should say to to the powerful God that has put his creative energy in latent form in the word of God and and read every promise and say like Mary let it be to me according to your word let us pray father in heaven we thank you for the example of mary and her faith father we all have impossible things in our lives habits addictions um, tempers pride self-sufficiency and lord we recognize that we need help and we pray like mary today let it be to me according to your word we pray that the creative power that that formed worlds that which is in the word of god would be unleashed in our lives today may you create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us bless us lord help us to surrender to you each and every day and be transformed from glory to glory from faith to faith and from day to day for we ask these things in the precious name of jesus christ amen this media was brought to you by audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.